Neighbors, welcome back to the podcast. Future Neighbor Podcast. That's right. Today we're going to do part two of our USA trip. We couldn't pack everything into the last one, so there's a few other stuff that I wanted to touch on, some reflections that I thought would be kind of nice to share. Email us your your responses or how you felt, or if you have any questions or topics that you would wish for us to cover at w. Oh no, that's not ww. It's uh, futureneighbor at gmail.com. Oh. Right, um, right before we begin, this episode is brought to you by Gochjar. Well, you guys already know it's the place to go for Korean food, ceramics, and special gifts. Modori is the one company that uh, sells the Sodam cookware set, which has been very popular. But we're going to also start selling their Gudel set, which is their uh, frying pans. It's all black with a wooden handle. I it's really t- chic. Excuse me. Chic. Oh, S H, oh C H I C. Yes. So what did you hear it as? It's really shit. <laughs> <laughs> but you said it in such a positive way that it, it threw me <laughs> off guard. It's very chic. So if you've been liking the uh, Modori Sodam cookware set, you know, if you need one of those omelet pans or whatever, woks, those are really nice too. So go take a look. And I have to say one thing. Sometimes um, people buy a frying pan or cookware sets and they... We'll use it for like over a year. I asked them, it's been a year and a half since they bought. And then they ask why it doesn't perform as usual. All nonstick, all nonstick, all nonstick cookware have a finite lifespan. So the more you use, of course, it's like it's like a battery. It slowly, the, the nonstick or it breaks down repetitive heat. So yeah, the better care you take care of it, the longer it'll go. But at some time, like us humans it breaks down okay <laughs> so just uh, fyi for everybody the only thing that doesn't is probably like cast iron um stainless steel as well so those will last a very long time but then of course it's that much more cumbersome to use you know you have to oil them up uh get them to the right temperature uh, whereas non-stick is, is is fast as fast as lightning so that's right and we also resume our shipping to hawaii that's right that's right Aloha, aloha, aloha. Aloha. Uh, uh, flights from Korea to Hawaii are, I think, running regularly now. And so that means also the cargo flights mm-hmm. from Korea. Most of the cargo is riding underneath the passenger uh, in regular commercial flights. So if passengers are going, then cargoes are going. Now, finally, all restrictions have lifted. And it's been nearly two to three years. And I've done mm-hmm. so many emails to Hawaiian customers like, I'm sorry, but we can't ship. But now mm-hmm. uh, we can ship there. So for all Hawaiians uh, or people who are shipping to Hawaii, have friends in Hawaii or family members, you want to send them a gift, yeah. uh, take 8% off of your order. The promo code is on our website. <laughs> now, uh, Katie. Yeah. Let's talk about the most exciting thing that there was uh, on our trip. Most exciting and yeah. unexpected thing that happened during our trip uh-huh. was that Daniel was uh, called by this girl and asked uh, where his pants are from. <laughs> that was not... Ex- I was like, where are you going with this? Um, so he yeah. was called like fashionable for the first time in his life. Yes. And we both were so caught off guard <laughs> and what's going on for someone to come out to you and ask where you got your pants from. I was at the bouldering gym and then this girl kept like looking at me. You know, you can pick up the hint when someone wants to say a word. So I kind of, you know. You thought she recognized you? I thought it might have been a friend or something. Because there's been in the past when I'm not wearing my contact and someone keeps looking at me. 
like that time long time ago at the lounge and then they're like daniel i'm like oh shit sorry yeah, 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 i didn't yeah. have my contacts on i can't yeah, see yeah. right now my visibility is like three meters <laughs> sorry i'm scuba diving right now without <laughs> my contacts um but yeah but she came and she was like hey um can i ask where you got your pants from uh, i have never heard anyone compliment my my outfit. fashion or my outfit or katie has introduced me to the term ootd uh man what is it it's outfit of the day so um what was my ootd we, i can't believe that's not even coming out of my mouth right now. <laughs> um, what was it something special that you were wearing no i was just wearing like um what do you even call that it's i want to call it the parachute pants but it's just like like joggers but it's it's made out of uh like very loose like parachute like but it's all gray (laughs) and it's like it has no like nike it's not made from nike or any of the sportswear and so that got me thinking about fashion i i think we did an episode about fashion and why i think fashion is very easy right yeah and what did i say i still remember the two criteria is number one yeah be skinny so lose weight yeah it's just just clothes looks better when you're skinny then number two just all you gotta do is spend money right spend money on expensive so i remember why i was asking like why do people derive so much happiness out of being fashionable when i think it's so easy (laughs) and And to my point before our u.s trip i did go and we did buy a little bit but we found a store yeah that actually made clothing that fit my height and my build well yeah so i think that's part of the formula for understanding what's fashionable so I'm mm. going to add a third create a three, third criteria now. It's not all, all no, those about two, spending no, money. Those two, no, no, those two are still relevant. So I got skinny from climbing. Yeah. Yes. I did spend some money. Yeah. Right. And then number three is, um, yeah, just the uh, the fit. The fit has to be good. Mm. Right. So you need to have the eye to find the right clothes for you. Yeah, but one and three are correlated because as the skinnier you get, the more places <clears> clothes <throat> fit you well. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? That's true. But didn't you feel so good afterwards? Oh, yeah. oh I oh th- that <laughs> it's like the first time you've ever felt that way, I right? Remember I came to you and you're like, I was like, Katie, guess what? Guess what? <laughs> Someone told me my parachute pants. They asked me where it's from. They're like, Oh, those look great. And I was like, that really made my day. <laughs> like, wow. Actually, actually that that made me feel so good. Um <laughs> even though it wasn't hard. And then I and then I started coming, okay, now I realize why people like to dress well. Cause like a nice compliment like that it really brightens up your day so i told you in la i was like next time i see someone who i think is fashionable Mm -hmm. i'm gonna compliment them yeah because they probably spent a lot of money a lot of time to receive uh or to feel good and if you share a compliment yeah now you know how it feels like to be on the other side so yeah but that was just once (laughs) once just once (laughs) but it was uh left such a strong like a mark no, it just in felt, our memory it just felt good and we were just laughing so much because we we always have these back and forth about like what fashion means i just i keep going back to those two and you're like no it's not that but <laughs> another thing along this tangent you know you were talking to me about what company was that the luxury company that does the was it fendi or gucci or what is it handbag chanel chanel yeah yeah chanel yeah i think chanel like outside chanel stores there's always line there's always queue and it's like the most common luxury bags to have for women, I think. Yeah, but Chanel has gotten so popular, even though it's expensive, that people now who own Chanel don't get that signaling of its exclusivity since yeah, it's ex- so accessible. Yeah, because you see it so frequently. Other yeah. people 
having the same bag. Yeah. Why I'm asking all this is that I think now part of that being fashionable definition also has to do with wearing something different. I think that's the a little bit definition. unique. You need to wear something different, yeah, in order to be deemed fashionable, <laughs> right? So all those previous years where I used to just go to like fast Uniqlo, fashion, I, Zara. No, I don't like Uniqlo. I think Uniqlo. I have I, I so never much liked, from Uniqlo. I don't like Uniqlo. I've always liked Zara. The thing is, everyone likes fast fashion. It's yeah. accessible to everyone. So even if you spend a lot of money at Zara, or you you rarely get. Oh, hey, that looks fashionable. That looks. Oh, you look. You dress well. Or because, that looks different. Yeah, because it's the mainstream market. So. That's so to become fashionable now, have you graduated from Zara? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't go to Zara anymore. I don't go to Zara anymore. I go to those like boutique Korean shops. But it's not like luxury. It's not like oh, no, crazy yeah, yeah. expensive at all. It's affordable, but it's just more like more tailored and but, handpicked. But I see why celebrities um, or people with a deep pocket go to luxury because luxury is by its definition exclusive. So it's not like fast fashion where it's accessible by everyone. So if you shop something at a very luxurious boutique shop, there's only like, I don't know, 100 pieces, 200 pieces. The, that the rarity do. of the item is already guaranteed. So if you buy it, you're already fashionable because it's different. <laughs> it yeah. looks nice. Yeah, you're right. But the other way around it is you go to these boutique shops, which do different fashion than to the major retailers. And as long as you're skinny <laughs> and the clothes fit you well and the clothes look a little different, mm. then I think uh, you start looking fashionable. Yeah. Uh, because I don't know if it's related, but um, this there's this particular Nike shoes, you know, that S- Nike. The SB Dunks? Yeah. I don't know why Somehow they're so popular, they're right so popular in, in Korea. Korea amongst like younger generations. Uh-huh. So there's like a really famous photo where... Everybody in the subway is wearing that. SB Nike, Dunks, right? SB Dunks. And like everywhere you go, you take a shot of the photo, the shoes, and everybody in the same line wearing the same shoes. Yeah. And yeah, like in Korea, when something becomes like popular or trendy, like the whole population has it. Yeah, there is that hurting. <laughs> so you herd. lose that uniqueness very quickly. Yeah, in Korea, like, you know, every winter, we call it the kimbap rolls. If you go to the subway, everyone's wearing these long paddings. Like, padding is more of a Korean. I never hear that in the in the States. But it's like, you know what the swimmers wear in the Olympics before they go into that pool? That long, like, I guess, like down puffy, jacket. Puffy, jacket. puffy down jacket in yeah. Korea. When it's wintertime, everyone and their mothers and their aunts are in those long black uh, paddings. So we just call them kimbap rolls. And you'll just see like a line of kimbap going down the subway. <laughs> Great job with your OOTD. Yes, OOTD. <laughs> Oot. Can't believe we are talking about fashion. <laughs> I know, I know. Going back to New York, if you guys are climbers, go to uh, Vital or Vital. Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, that climbing gym was amazing. Amazing. Like, I felt like that was like kind of like the Google of the climbing gym. Yeah. The staff were going around with the skateboards on. Or roller skates. Yeah. The walls <laughs> like on the stairs all painted really colorful in the SF style. And yeah, the vibe was so like young and fun. and It was cool to see like people would be on the office work hall or they would be at work at the gym like on the rooftop yeah they'll be taking calls and in between calls 
they'll just like they'll go climb, climb a few walls. and then take go back to their work <laughs> and then climb. And I was like, this is so. It's like a full day kind of outdoor. Yeah, but it's so bold. Like if I had work, I'd just be at home until work's finished and then go to gym. But I guess some people yeah. can multitask, like the movies. But yeah. that was interesting. Yeah. But what was really cool about that gym is that uh, if you go to the third floor. They have bouldering routes that are set up on the rooftop. And in the back, you have the New York City uh, landscape that you can see, the city skyline. Just beautiful. Mm. I don't know how we timed it, but you finished your yoga and the sun was setting Mm -hmm. behind Brooklyn. Yeah. And then you get to see that orange kind of uh, glow. Oh, man, that was so awesome. That was like the best view. That was so awesome. Uh, And then they also had the flying yoga things on the first floor. And I did my yoga class, like more like regular one. They had a sauna yeah. in there too. Yeah. They had this like fireplace going on. I mean, I think that's the great thing about traveling is that like we're able to see like how different countries do it. And like rock climbing is pretty, uh, it has a long history in the US. And so when they build like a proper gym with like yeah. outside investments, the scale oh. is like to a different degree. Yeah. And so such an eye opener. Yeah. And so even the routes were much longer in Korea, the routes for climbing, they're a lot shorter mm. and we do a lot of dynamic moves where you like have to jump, jump. Yeah. But here the moves were much, the Endurance routes were much, based. Yeah, much longer yes. and the walls, like, I don't know how some of the walls were already like curved in, like at the base of a circle, like at the yeah. bottom curving out and we more like those. a real lo- rock exactly like emulating a real like nature rock shape that was interesting and the more of these gyms we see it's not like we're gonna do a, a, a climbing gym but you, well, maybe you will it draws yeah you get to see outside of the pic outside of the uh outside of your pond basically and yeah. it's really inspirational and i also like it that it wasn't just climbing so the climbing is the main thing but they provide all this other you know, fitness stuff, right. you know, all the fitness gears that were there. Mm. So you can just do an all-rounded workout, basically. Yeah. That was really cool. And then when we were in LA, we went to LA Boulders. Yeah. And then LA Hollywood. Yeah. That was also really fun. LA Boulders in the art district. And then we went to Hollywood Boulders in West Hollywood. Though I mean, those those were awesome too. Yeah, they are huge. The LA Boulders gym, they have the top out zones. Where you could walk out or basically top out of the route and then mm-hmm. walk your way down. That they don't have fun. that in Korea. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I think we will slowly start getting more dynamic, like like that, mm-hmm. or shapes. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's enough about climbing because I know a lot of people. Next don't time, climb. we're going to go to Joshua Tree and then do a real rock climbing. That's right. Um, during this trip, I also got to see my niece. Uh, during COVID, my sister had um, baby, baby daughter. And I wasn't able to see just because our wedding was we were planning for our wedding and just fitting a trip was was very hard. So she was she just passed around two and oh my gosh, seeing her just like oh man, it was yeah, like yeah, it it, it was something. I, it was really something special. I like it's so interesting that she gravitated towards me so much. But because you're really like good with kids. You, think you played it? with her really, really well at her like eye level, so I think it like connected with oh, her. Oh, you mean not eye level? You mean my maturity level? I dropped down to a baby like an instant. Right? Mm. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so she kind of treats you like you're her friend. I see. Yeah. But that's good. Yeah. 
before I went to the States, I had a little bit of friction with my sister and our relationship wasn't such on good terms for a while. This trip was kind of reminding me that every relationship needs nurturing, especially family. Family are relationships which uh, is hard to just sever. Like oftentimes if you don't have a good relationship with a friend, you can just cut it off. Yeah. Or you can just remove them to your general associate circle where it's just, mm. you know, you'll connect once in a while, but you don't see. But family is family. is family, And that's like your most closest perimeter around you. Yeah, I mean, over, over, I think, especially over the last four or five years, like me being the youngest person, like I'm the magne or the youngest person in the family. Uh, my sister has always just treated me like, oh, he's just the younger brother. And so like, like, I don't know how to describe it, but like I'm at the whim of her thinking like <laughs> i should just do this i was my little brother you know you can just do this like that yeah. or he'll do it or like that and like yeah i think there was a lot of stuff that have been building up you know we weren't on good terms and uh, she wasn't able to make it out to her wedding for xyz reasons and and that really kind of put me over the edge and really started making me question what the role of family is and just basically like i'm ready to cut ties up to that brink but then there's there's a lot of drama and there's no reason for me to spill all of that out. Um, but basically going to the States and then seeing her and then especially my niece. I think all of that melts away and all of that got kind of like deprioritized. We actually had a very heart to heart conversation between myself, my sister and also my, my brother-in-law. I remember I was telling my sister that like at this point in our relationship, like especially since I live so far away, we're already living such disconnected lives from each other that I could live perfectly happy without you in my life because that's how we're already living for the last four years. It's not like we're in contact with each other or updating and yeah. we can live happy lives independently. Yeah. So basically the option is up to both of us how we want to proceed in this relationship. But I do want to have like a, an open conversation where um, all three of us can be vulnerable with each other and also like tell each other where we felt hurt in the relationship and why. And so we did that. And that was like a nearly a four hour discussion where it did get heated at some points, not mm -hmm. heated in the sense of like with vitriol, but like heated in your, in your own emotions. And, you know, when you're expressing how you feel, like, of course it gets emotional but I think we we're all at the age, and especially since my kid, my sister has a kid too, she's matured quite a lot too. And so we all just understood. Apologies were um, given and, and shared with each other for like how we've kind of wushied each other or like how we've kind of, uh, what do you say that? Like, um, what do you call wushied? Just treated each yeah, other. Treat, yeah, treated each other poorly. And so... There's some stuff which I'll never forget, but it's no longer an issue in rebuilding. Yeah. How I thought of it was, I don't know why this, this comes to mind, but like when you, I think it's because I've been working on this site too long, but <laughs> when you reset cache in your browser <laughs> yeah. and all of the history gets deleted or yeah. organized, cleared away, yeah. it was the perfect reset cache oh. for our relationship, right? So we're functioning again. Yeah. And everything is looking clear. And, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. 
what I really picked away from this trip was that like I can't even though I live in Korea, um, I think I should try my best to at least visit my family once once a year ideally or once every two years because that face to face where you're able to feel my energy where we're able to talk you can see my face you can see me getting older you can see me smile you can see me sad you mm. can share me you can hear a story of mine yeah um, i can show you a picture i could feel your skin all of that builds closeness without even expressing a word even for me as a as a son to my parents and even me to his brother to a sister and so i think that face to face time i'm definitely going to prioritize a little bit more um no matter how busy it gets now corona of course was kind of a covid was a kind of a yeah. outlier event that really pushed that but yeah all, all relationships especially family requires nurturing from all sides and if one side doesn't come to the table I mean, I was lucky in the situation that both me and my sister, even though we have our defenses up and want to pretend like, you know, all is gravy without, we still want to come to the table and still talk. And so that I'm kind of taking granted for. In some situations, one party may just not be interested, yeah. at which point there's only so many things you can do. Yeah. So that was a big win for, not big win, but it was a big. It was a huge turning point. Well, okay, turning point sounds too dramatic, but it was just something I'm happy that got we settled. did. Got settled uh, during yeah. our, our trip to the U.S. It was a big kind of weight off your chest. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, families and your relationship with your families, whether you're the middle child, the oldest child, and the youngest child, like, yeah, I think it ebbs and flows. Your closeness with your parents or, or family, it ebbs. Yeah, and I think especially during COVID, yeah. if you are like families or living like far away from each other and you can't really like them in person for like two two plus years, which is like pretty long time. I think a lot of like miscommunications or misunderstandings could have risen. Not just you, but I feel like this kind of story is re relatable to a lot of other like families. Yeah. But seeing my niece also, like, man, I, I, I was just so... She's really cute. I was just so, like, uh, captivated by how... Uh, she's a corona baby. Yeah. She hasn't... She's not at the point where she can express or she can, like, enunciate a full sentence. But there's a few key phrases. I don't know why she picked it up, but she says, Go away! <laughs> like very clearly that's her go-to phrase yeah she goes go away <laughs> she was like ah wah 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 for water and then she'd be like ah, go away so then when she says that it like really like catches you off guard so like <laughs> my sister when when we were there we went to a restaurant and they took her out for the first time out to a restaurant setting um and i was like hey she's getting kind of like you know like antsy, agitated agitated let me take her on a walk and you guys can eat and i was kind of walking her at um source mall in bueno park and then there was these two ladies or these two grandmas that happened to be walking by and she's like oh so cute how old's your baby and i was like oh it's my sister's but she's two and then as soon as the grandmas approached too close she looked at them and she was like go away <laughs> so they thought it was cuter <laughs> and they started coming closer 
you know, because yeah. it was so cute. And then she was like, go away. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> she really means it though. She yeah. knows what it means. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's not ready to open up to the entire world just yet. Um, definitely, maybe next year she'll have a little maybe bit more vocabulary. Yeah. How did how did you feel with uh, Audrey, baby? She's really cute, but I just remember everybody's like so tired out from looking <laughs> after her. Yeah. It's like at one point there were five adults looking after her, and then all five adults knocked out, <laughs> 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 including your parents, you and me, your sister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a lot of effort. Yeah, definitely. I like I was telling you earlier. That's why I think if you're gonna have kids, it's early. Is the big side about like. You accidentally having kids early or you having kids early is that you have the energy to play with them they have babies too late i think it's just too tiring <laughs> i'd probably be one of those parents with the leash being like come back here like <laughs> pulling them, yanking them back and stuff hey one thing we sorry would you want to say something no and we also saw another baby from your friend too who was much much younger like a year oh no she was six months old or something oh or three oh. months old like an oh, infant my, fr my friend in la yeah yeah then, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was really cute too she was like hold hold my newborn and i was like oh, oh i don't know how to and then as soon as i did she burped <laughs> threw up and i was like ah, perfect timing perfect timing yes can you remove her from my arms and and handle this <laughs> yeah it was very different because none of my friends have like kids but I, I saw that your friends or like your sister, they're like now starting to have babies. And you see the mm. kind of transformation in them a little bit? Yeah, yeah. And also just like, yeah, just the change of like environment. I also see how much little time you have too. Like once you start raising those kids in the first few years, that one, I'm, I like even like the husband's, you know, my friend's husband, he's like, oh, man, I'm so happy you called me out to the gym because, <laughs> like, oh, this is the best excuse. Like, since you're here, I can work out and go climbing and stuff. My wife approves. Yeah, my wife approves. And, like, or, like you don't have to be under her eye. And then um, last time, I think we were talking about the King Richard, that movie. You know, we saw it on the plane and Katie was enjoying it so much, like, kept telling me to watch it and i saw it and it made a very big impact on me i i thought about it for a long time that movie um it was really really real and very inspiring yeah it's about the story of the father of serena williams yeah and how he raised his kids to become like the world-class tennis players I, I i never knew that they had more siblings than just they Serena had five Diaz. he had five daughters and the first daughter was also very uh, studious a valedictorian or something yeah so his dad was just like He's very good at the thing that really got me about that film was like how vision driven yeah his dad was and that really inspired me he he planned the, his his daughters to become tennis players even before they were born it's like it's one thing if you know this was coming from some rich family who had all the resources but this guy was a um, a pretty poor is an family. underdog yeah poor yeah. family in Compton California and you know it's a gang ridden neighborhood and you know he's able to make up a plan for how 
he's going to bring success and a and a pathway to success at the time in a very white dominated sport mm-hmm. and tennis is very expensive like i i used to go to those clinics that you see in the in the movies yeah well i didn't go to florida those but clubs voluntary I, I forget if that's the name but they have uh, camps in in california as well as florida but very expensive mm-hmm. and when i saw his uh, when i saw uh, i'm gonna call him king serena or king uh, richard. richard like make a videotape to go pitch these no. coaches to take their uh, daughters and coach them for free because he knows that they're gonna be so successful that blind faith to me was so romantic mm-hmm. like it's very hard to come across uh someone who's has that so much convinced and yeah. conviction yeah into into his daughters too how beautiful is that like and then mm-hmm. like yeah i mean there's so many examples of that like h- him trying to turn down the nike deal because he knows she'll become number one so why take an early deal when she, she was worth more than that yeah and it's and it's not like at, at that time their family had their basic needs met right like if mm-hmm. you had a if you already secured like a three million or one million dollar paycheck then you're uh, or your rice bowl or your basic needs are are, are 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 fulfilled and then from there it's just more of adding alpha which my mind would is geared to do i'm very much about optimization and risk kind of assessment but here is he doesn't seem to care about those risk assessments just, whatever because, because he knows in his mind that it's like gonna happen because he knows uh serena and venus and then what goes to the next level is not only did venus come up yeah but then number two, he made his second one even better. Yeah. She was like, she's like the uh, the all time best tennis oh, player, yeah. women tennis player ever. So like, not it, one daughter, but two daughters like that. Yeah. So it was. It's like at the end of the film, it also came up that like most of the things that he visioned or he said will happen did happen. Mm. So that was like very chills my back when I was watching those. Um, and he was also very hands-on coach it wasn't like he somehow entrusted his daughters to some coach to do everything yeah i don't know whether he he used to play tennis or not i don't know where i his think desire. they're both from athletic background all oh, right like both his mom i mean yeah. his wife and his mom his, was a sprinter or some sort of like runner right his wife and he himself uh-huh. I think they were both maybe did some sort of sports in I the see. past. I see. So they knew how to coach their kids like hands on. Mm. And um yeah, this I mean, regardless whatever, it's super impressive. You know, I th- I think an interesting discussion from this was that like I was talking with one of our friends who has two daughters right now and then Did ta- you tell him about the movie? No, I didn't, but somehow this topic about like oh like if you have kids like how how are you going to raise them or what's your view on education or something like that mm-hmm. and i remember saying that you know for me i would really like it for my kids to fall into an area where they have interested in and just be super passionate about that topic and be able to go deep into go it go deep and that's yeah. what's important to me yeah um a lot of these things which society valued a lot more from my parents generation like what college you came out to like that to me is not as important or what company you work for but someone who's in a field and um, naturally if they're leaders in that field i'm sure they would achieve others you know social signals like that anyway yeah but i want them to fall in love with the 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 subject area first (laughs) 
this is you coming from a theory. Yeah, yeah. And then your friend who actually has two daughters. Yeah, he was like, yeah, yeah. He cut me off. He's like, yeah, yeah. That sounds <laughs> With great. With all the experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds great, but <laughs> great um, in paper, but in yeah. reality. Yeah, he's like, well, what if your daughter says her dream is to become a housewife? <laughs> Or just live or, a normal life, or average two, person's life. Or number two, she said, um, it was either the second daughter or first daughter. He's like, she also told me her dream is to just be 평범한 사람, which means an ordinary person. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know John Legend's song, Ordinary People? Yeah. She just wants to be ordinary people. And what if her passion mm. is to be ordinary? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, hmm. And so we had a nice laugh about that. But then he was like, yeah, I mean, of course, their desires are always, or their kind of amb- or passion and areas. And they're young. Interest areas are always changing. And so he was also like, you would be very lucky if your children even expressed an area that they have interested in. Yeah, that's, that's most, very true. Right? Most kids don't know what they have interested in. Yeah. And some adults, a lot of people don't even know some what they're passionate know. about until they die. They just yeah. live the way that life so, throws them yeah stuff. what you said is very easy to say yeah but uh, in reality reality is much more complex like i remember when i was in elementary school you had to submit this thing like uh-huh. which basically means like what do you want to be when you're an adult yeah i remember most of my friends wrote mother it's like the most common answer and this is like when you're like let's say seven or eight so to some to a kid like that you're gonna ask like what is it that you're passionate about i'm gonna take you deep into the area mother (laughs) (laughs) i think when i was young power ranger was my answer for a very long time and then my dad started getting pissed (laughs) he said i need a different answer so actually i told him um I wanted to be an international businessman. <laughs> it was, which was funny because the thing is, my dreams are only, sh- or my real answers can only be defined by what is near me. And my dad was a business person. So yeah. I just wanted to one-up him. So yeah. since he's domestic, I said international oh, businessman. So someone funny. who rides a plane all the time. <laughs> and the thing Go is, different countries. in consulting, I did that. Yeah. I was an international businessman. Yeah. I remember I told my parents that like long time ago. Yeah. That I actually achieved my initial childhood dream of becoming an international businessman. Yeah. I think they brushed it aside. And then they asked, when doctor? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. um, Which your parents still want you to become. (laughs) Oh my God. We had this like, (laughs) oh my gosh. We're driving. Should we even say this? Probably not. Yeah, no, no, no. We, we're, we're always pretty truthful. And I'm sure a lot of um, people can relate. So our the end of our trip from the U.S. and we're driving to LAX and everything's good. And, you know, I was kind of preparing something to say to my parents. I wanted to, you know. I, last word. Yeah, I wanted to say, you know. Bye. Um, thanks, for, thanks for raising me in such a way where, you know, I'm very independent. And also, um, I remember I'm saying this. I've said... More than anything else, I feel like I'm very happy and I live a very happy life. And I'm a very and, happy person. Yeah, and I want to thank you for being the foundation for my happiness. <laughs> as soon as I said that, my mom was like, um, well, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm happy that you're happy, but my ambition for you 
was a lot more. <laughs> I wish you could have been something. I wish you would have been doing something on a larger scale. Look at one of your friends. They're all doctors. And I'm like, oh shit, this just took like a left turn out of nowhere. <laughs> right? right? They, my mom, oh, then she got in her own zone. And she's like, all of them had less, like, like had worse grades than you. You were like full IB, full everything. And they became doctors. And what are you doing? And I was like, oh, and that like, that kind of like triggered, triggered me. triggered you so bad. And, and I was like, first of all, it, the word doctor what's the equivalent in what i majored in in finance which is probably like an investment banker or consulting and did i not do both of that and then i remember asking my mom when i was a consultant did you feel like i was a doctor because that's the equivalent of, of uh, the business world uh in finance mm -hmm. like that's the top of the top right yeah um or the most one of the most sought after jobs like did you brag to your friends did you even know what i did and my and my mom knew she felt a little bit cornered. She never knew what I did. She just said, oh, oh, consulting just helping companies, something, something, strategy, something. Yeah. And then my dad was, yeah, my dad kind of came to my side and kind of wanted to break the tension. It's like he kind of hypothetically re-asked the question, like, Yobo, uh, which means like wife, to my mom, like, do you actually know what consultants do? And then my dad was like, just say consulting. And that's the right <laughs> answer. So that kind of broke, right? But then I was like, mom, that's the point is that like, you didn't even see it when it was happening. And then I said in business, perhaps the hardest thing you can do, even beyond these like uh, white collar finance jobs is actually starting a business, which is the most purest of someone majoring in business is to build a business from scratch yeah. and that's the journey i'm in i'm on and it's hard but it's also fulfilling and, and this eventually is what you love to do yeah and this is what i love to do and i'm inherently really good at doing like turning ideas into something physical and manifesting that into reality here i am right now I'm, my blood <laughs> guys my blood pressure is already boiling up i feel like i'm talking to my mom right now on the on the mic but but then she's like Okay, well, I take that back. I, I don't even care about doctor. I don't know why I said that. What I want is, I want you to do it on a, on a grand scale. I understand that. To be honest, I really understand that, right? She's yeah. like, I, I, you know, you went, we put you through this education. We worked so hard in the US. I want, and I was like, what is it? I need you to be more specific. And I was like, you want me to be in the newspaper, right, mom? And she's like, yes, <laughs> I want you to be famous. And so then I said a joke. I was like, I'm already on YouTube. And my mom, I thought her head, like if a head could explode, my mom's head would have exploded right there out of anger. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I mean, I think it's like the sort of first generation. I think generation gap generation is just gap. like, is, yeah. yeah, it's hard to come close because what, it, what they think of as a glorious job or some prestigious job, so different to what, we want to be doing yeah. in, is a professional career so kind but, of it's hard to like bridge that gap but i've also realized this is that like who do you talk to success with about success with is probably her friends that she goes golfing with her church friends mm -hmm. and so they all are from that same age range so they all have a shared definition of success which is doctor or lawyer and then what makes it even worse is that anyone who's still living in Orange County with kids that are nearby are 
doctors and dentists. And then Poor I realized, lawyers. and I realized that my because there's no other industry in Orange County in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And so then, if you're not one of them, yeah. Then so you then, are like so 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 then it all so then it all hit me. Okay, my mom is surrounded by her friends who have sons or or daughters who have become dentists or in the medical profession. And since that fits the the traditional definition of success, they're probably always talking about their daughters. Yeah. <laughs> daughters and, and for my poor mom, who has to talk about <laughs> management consulting or investment banker or whatever it was, she can't say a word because she doesn't know what it is. <laughs> so she's had to have her mouth shut the whole time. Maybe. And then and then um she just doesn't she there's nothing for her to charang about. So my plan is this. I'm going to make it to show me the money as a rapper. <laughs> I'm going to put myself uh, on She's a newspaper. She's not appreciate that. Yeah, no, I'm just joking. Anyway, for me, I told my mom, like, please, let's stop having this discussion because this is the most boring conversation. Like, what? Like, uh, like, how many years do we have this? Am I going to be 60 and you're going <laughs> to be asking me, uh, like, uh, like, as your dying wish, when, doctor? <laughs> like, I mean, come on now. Like one person needs to adjust <laughs> to this. And I just told myself, I told myself, like Sadhguru, <laughs> words, someone's words actually have, cannot hurt you. <laughs> Someone, Shouldn't influence you like this. that. Someone's words cannot hurt you. And he, this is what he does in the YouTube video. He curses at someone in Indian, but in a pleasant voice. And the guy's like, how do you feel right now? And the American guy's like, I don't feel any type of way. I don't know what you said. So he's like, that's my point. I was cursing at you in Indian, but you don't feel any way about it. But if I just told you that I cursed, now you're going to feel some type of way about it. Yeah. And it's your reaction to this, which is causing you pain. So I told myself, when my mom asks, when famous, I say, me gusta la burguesa con queso. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm gonna just, just non-react or think in a different language or something, because uh, my mom ain't changing, or my dad. It might actually be my dad that's funneling all of this um, passive aggressiveness into my mom. I have no idea, but I don't even want to decipher that. But anyway, I ain't gonna react it to anymore. So. Yes, I hope your meditation works next yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that took us on a tangent. But do you think it's okay that we put this one out? Yeah, why not? Mm. We have 10 more minutes, guys. And I remember seeing a quote on LinkedIn, which I screenshot it because I really liked it. Here's the quote, guys. Why do you go away? Question mark. So that you can come back so that you can see the place you came from with new eyes and extra colors. And the people there see you differently, too. Coming back to where you started is not the same as never leaving. This quote is by Terry Pratchett. And somehow, this quote, it really touched a nerve, especially after my trip back home, seeing my high school friends, seeing some of my college friends, seeing some of my friends from when I was maturing as a person. And their life passage... Versus my life journey has been so radically different. And I just never knew that you had that many friends. You have so many friends in America. Well, I mean, it's 
I, I mean, I grew up there, so of course, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, what I really like about this quote is that when you go experience a lot of stuff, it's natural that the colors that you see the world with change. And the people who have remained back at home who see the color in purple will see you who sees the color, who sees the world in orange now slightly differently. Yeah. So old ties will never necessarily remain the same. But from you, your personal perspective as a person, having been able to leave this world of purple and being able to see the, the, the world in different colors, that's so much value in that versus the person who just was seeing the world in one color, right? Mm. And it's not to say what is better. It's not to say the world of purple or orange is better, yeah. right? It's perfectly fine for you to stay in your pond for the, for the fish who's been jumping to different ponds it's only it's only natural that this dynamic not gonna feel the same. it's not the same it changes and for the people who you're able to connect with back at home even through these different colors and they see differently and it still feels natural that is a relationship that you invest into and cherish and will give you solidarity to the friends who it's just it just doesn't feel natural and it's very hard at least you can cherish the 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 old memories that you had um, but for you as a person, this journey is worth it in of itself. It's worth leaving the pond that you were born in. Yeah. The journey itself is worth it. That's the LinkedIn quote that popped up as soon as I turned on my computer when I got home. And I screenshot it. And I can also not only apply it to my, not only apply it to my um, friends, but go back to that discussion I had with my parents. My parents see me differently because I wasn't next to them growing up. I grew up by myself. I left home when I was in high school and I've been living by myself for how, how many decades? Almost two decades now. Not two decades, but like one and a half decades. So of course they see me differently. But look how much I've grown and how much contributions I'm doing to society as my own person rather than being just a homebody right same applies to you you left early to the uk look how many things have changed yeah you can't go back my mom like always romanticizes the idea that i live five minutes away from her and like we can have dinner together every other day all that but she also like i'm sure she knows but she forgoes then all these things that like all these new adventures that I tell her that she finds a lot of happiness and joy out of like all those will be foregone right I literally lived next to her yeah all my life exactly and she wouldn't I'm sure that she wouldn't be happy with that either yeah I'm sure if this related but um after the trip I became somehow more content I I think I became more satisfied with my life in Korea. I don't know if I mentioned this in the I think you touched it on it previously, but please feel free to expand. Yeah, well, like in the past, I think I used to just have this romantic idea about living abroad or like living somewhere in Europe, somewhere like remote in like 
USA, like SF, all this like you know romantic stuff that shows on TV. But then like I think I kind of for for went a lot of good things or a lot of convenience, a lot of good things I have here in Korea. And then after the trip, mm. um, in the US, after I came back here, like kind of I feel like maybe I got a bit more mature or my just my the way I look at kind of the way we live kind of has changed I don't know which one but yeah I really started to appreciate better about this like good life we have in Korea right right yeah like so like the more and more like my wish or that idea of living abroad is going down and down. So like in the previous times when you th- thought about, oh man, wouldn't it be nice to live in X country abroad? You probably thought about like, oh, how like the sense of adventure. But when you're there in that, that target country, there's a lot of stuff that are foreign to you and also that mm-hmm. are challenging. And then when you're here in Korea, you forget about all of the amenities, all of the security, I, all of I, the stability. I only look at the bad side of Korea, like like how sometimes the service is not as kind or as or personal. nice or personal. Like whereas in America, like the waiters come, they're so talkative, they're so friendly to you, stuff like that. But like in the past, I would be like kind of yeah, so much better in the in the U.S. Like the service is better, but now tip. somehow like, it <laughs> like all depends <laughs> yeah it always depends on the perspective like uh. now I, I think it's great that they don't care about you <laughs> <laughs> like they leave you alone and like whether you say nice things to them or not so nice things to them they stay the same so right yeah like if you look at it that way it's great you yeah. know <laughs> yeah but i mean you know i mean don't take this as a pitch for korea like if you live in the u.s and you go to europe and then you come back to the U.S., you might feel the same way. Like, yeah, wow, home course. is It's, it's just <laughs> like home is underrated. But I yeah. got to see how underrated, on how I view my home in a very underrated way, I see. basically. Nicely said. Yeah. But this trip made me realize that. So as that way, I think I became a happier person. All right, that wraps it up, guys. Uh, if you'd like to drop us uh, a note, send us again at future neighbor at gmail.com i forgot to always say this leave a five-star review on (laughs) itunes or podcast if you don't like us maybe a four and a half star (laughs) that won't be accepted (laughs) all right see you guys bye